Do you need help with your journey following Jesus? Has your Bible reading brought up some interesting questions? Um, I, I need a prayer request. Is I've heard um, pastors talk about you can't get to heaven just with good deeds. I was just wondering what you guys think. Is, the, is there a correlation between the seventh trumpet and Revelations as the last trumpet, or is he talking about some other trumpet? Finally, a place to get answers. We're ready to take your prayer request and answer your Bible questions. Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Good afternoon. Welcome to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. I'm here with you today. I'll be taking your calls and texts live on the air. The number to call is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336-0897. This is the show where you can call in with your questions that have come up in your Bible reading, questions you might have about the Bible, or even questions about Christian living, things going on in your life. Or if you have a prayer request, we would love to pray for you. So we would love to hear from you. Call us at 303 690 3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. We'd like to welcome those of you who are listening in Colorado and Wyoming on Grace FM. Glad you tuned in today. We are uh, Grace FM is airing all the way from Cheyenne, Wyoming, all the way down to Colorado Springs. So if you're listening on the Front Range, we're glad you tuned in today and we'd love to hear from you. We also want to welcome those of you who are listening on our two syndicated stations, which are Hope FM, which is on the East Coast on Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and Maryland. Glad you tuned in today as well. We love it when we get callers from the East Coast. And we are recently now syndicated also on Truth FM in Tennessee, and that's uh, broadcasting also into parts of North Carolina and Kentucky. So we are glad that you tuned in, and we'd love to have some callers. I have yet to have any callers from the Truth FM area, so if you are listening to the Truth FM area, give us a call. We'd love to hear from you. Reminder that those of you listening on the East Coast and in the area around Tennessee, you are hearing the program on a one-week delay. So you get the unique opportunity that you actually get to go back and listen to yourself on the radio because uh, you won't be live. You'll be a week delayed, but that'll give you the chance to go back and hear your conversation again and maybe tell other people to tune in. So that's actually a pretty cool thing. We also want to say hi to everybody who is listening online. We have a great web app. If you don't have the Grace FM, um, I'm sorry, we have a mobile app. That's what I meant to say. We have a great Grace FM mobile app. And if you don't have it yet, we'd love to uh, have you go to your mobile app store, whatever one you use, Android or, or iTunes, and download the Grace FM mobile app so that you can listen to us wherever you are on your phone, whether you're in your car or in your house or wherever you are. I know like my wife, for example, she loves to listen to the radio, but we don't actually even have a you know, conventional radio in our house. So it's awesome that we have the Grace FM mobile app because we just listen to it on our phones through a speaker or whatever. So we encourage you to do that. Or, you know, if you are at a computer, you can always just go to gracefm.com and you can listen on your web browser. So however you tuned in today, we're really glad that you did. And we want to just welcome you to the program. And we'd love to hear from you. So call in. Again, the number is 303 690 That's 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336-0897. And we're going to go to one of those in a minute, but I just want to tell you briefly about myself. I am your host every Monday on Calvary Live, every Monday, but uh, today I'm filling in. I filled in yesterday, too, for Pastor Ed Taylor, 
who usually hosts today, but he is in California teaching at a Bible college out there all week, and so I am filling in for him today. But usually you can hear me on Mondays, and I am the pastor of Whitefields Community Church, which is a church in Longmont, Colorado. We are in downtown Longmont, and we are a church that loves Jesus and loves to study the Bible verse by verse and chapter by chapter. Our church meets in downtown Longmont at the St. Vrain Memorial Building. So if you are familiar with the town of Longmont, and you might be familiar with the St. Vrain Memorial Building, it's a historical building right downtown at 700 Longs Peak Avenue, which is the corner of Kaufman and Longs Peak, which is the southeast corner of Roosevelt Park, just one block west of Main Street in Longmont. And we meet there on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. for worship and Bible study. We have a great children's ministry, so it's a great place for your whole family. And we are currently finishing up the letter to the Hebrews. So this Sunday, we are going to finish our study of Hebrews. We've studied all the way through it from beginning, and now we've reached the end just in time for uh, for Palm Sunday and Easter coming up after that. If you are looking for a church and you are in the Longmont area or in the surrounding communities even, we would love you to join us on Easter Sunday. We're having two services at 9 and 1030 and we'd love to have you and your whole family join us. You can get more information about us on our website at whitefieldschurch.com. That's whitefieldschurch.com. And you can also hear me every weekday on Grace FM at 2.30 p.m. So 2.30 p.m. on Grace FM every weekday and Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. We have a show that airs here on the, on the station. So let's go to line one where we've got Sherry in Prattville. Hi, Sherry. Welcome to the program. Hi. Hey, can you tell me where Prattville is? It's between Brighton, Colorado, and Greeley. Oh, is it Platteville? Platteville. Ah, Platteville. They wrote it to me as Prattville, but I, of course I know where Platteville is. We have some people from our church who live in Platteville. Yeah. Great. So what's up? I just, I am Missouri Lutheran Synod, and our church believe, doesn't believe in the rapture and the thousand years. I'm not quite sure how it's different. I'm just curious. What in Revelation backs up your view of the rapture? Of the and if you rapture. could tell me, my, my, my pastor couldn't really show me in the Bible why they believe that. And so I'm just curious. Gotcha. Well, okay, so I'll give you this, too, to get you started. I grew up uh, Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, LCMS. So I, uh, I can relate to you. I grew up in that church, and I went to... Uh, primary school and all the way through eighth grade, I went to Lutheran school. I went to Bethlehem Lutheran down in Lakewood, Colorado. That that was my church, and I I got confirmed there. I got baptized there uh, as a baby, and then I. Um, but it was later on in my life when I was in high school, sixteen years old, so just a few years out of uh, Lutheran school. I went to public high school, and I got into a little bit of trouble, and then I ended up meeting some people who shared the gospel with me, and that is how I came to, what I would say, be born again and really come to true and living faith in Jesus. But I have a lot of respect and a lot of appreciation for the Lutheran Church, especially the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. So anyway, I uh, I feel some affinity towards you just because you are Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. So um, yeah, so... Okay, yeah, so here's the deal with Lutheran Church. Lutheran Church actually has a unique view on eschatology, even compared to some of the other um, historical Reformation churches, right? So Reformation churches meaning, you know, Reformed churches, even down to um, 
you know, you get to the Scottish Reformation and a lot of Presbyterian churches, and, you know, you have Dutch Reformed and so things like that. So the Lutheran Church had actually a unique view on this, and that is that they are all millennialists, and, well, actually, I'm going to take that back. Lutherans are actually millennialists, but they have a unique view of the millennium. Okay, so millennium, of course, coming from this idea found in the end of Revelation where it says that Jesus will come back and he will reign on earth for a thousand years. And during that time, Satan will be bound. And then at the end of that thousand years, Satan will be released. And then the judgment will come after that. Okay, so uh, okay. The, an amillennialist view is often held by uh, other Reformation churches. So, for example, you would have... Uh, Reformed churches, Presbyterian churches tend to be amillennial, which means they don't believe in a literal millennium, a literal thousand-year reign of Christ. Now, Luther was a little bit different because he actually did believe in a millennium, but he believed that the millennium began with the Reformation. And, and you, can, you can try and put yourself in Luther's shoes and see how that is a, a view that he could have easily come to. And so he came to this view based on the idea that it seemed like there was just this monumental shift taking place and there was but mm -hmm. he believed that that with the reformation this was ushering in an era of peace that would sweep over the entire earth and would last for a thousand years now that did not happen exactly the way that he thought it would because see that even the reformation itself led to wars and uh, you had peasant revolts and all those things so i think that uh, that view of the lutherans on um the millennium needs to be revisited. That's my opinion. Okay. Okay, but here's the question about the rapture. So the idea of the rapture, the word rapture is not found in the Bible, but unless you read in Latin. If you read in Latin, then it actually is found in the Bible. And it was found not so much in Revelation, although it is found in Revelation. I'm going to show you that. I'm going to try and do it real concisely and quickly. Okay, so First Thessalonians chapter 4 is where we really get this idea of the rapture. But I would say it's actually more than that because, um, well, here's where we get the idea of the rapture, but then the concept of why God would rapture people is actually something that you could trace through the entire Bible. Okay, so okay. In, in 1 Thessalonians 4, he talks about this. Um, well, I'll just read it to you. It says, starting in verse 13, he talks about the coming of the Lord. And he's writing, to the first, he's writing to the Thessalonians because, in the context is, they were worried about people who had died in the faith before Jesus returned. You remember that they were expecting Jesus to return any day. Like, he went up in the morning, they were expecting him that afternoon. And they were looking for him all the time, right? And so, then people started to die, and then they wondered, well, what's going to happen to those people who died before Jesus came back? So, he's writing to those people, and he says this in First Thessalonians 4, starting in verse 13. We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. For since we believe that <clears throat> excuse me, Jesus died and rose again, even so, through God, God or through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. So this is a reference to people who have died in the faith before Jesus returned. Verse fifteen. For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God, 
and the dead in Christ will rise first. And now here's the rapture verse, verse 17. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air so that we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage each other with these words. Okay, so that word caught up uh, is in Latin, the word raptizo, from which we get our word rapture. It means it would be caught up, raptured. Uh, to the Lord. So, okay, but um, Lutherans believe that, right? I mean, correct. we believe that we're going to be caught up after the dead are gone. Correct. Yeah. So the question is, when does this take place? Does this take place at the end of all things when Jesus comes back after that thousand years? Um, will then is that the time that this is talking about? And some people say yes, and other people say no. And I'll tell you why people say that they believe that it will happen differently. Um, is I'll take you to Revelation chapter Okay, four. which people are you going to tell me about now? Are you going to tell me about Lutherans? Are you going to tell me about, like, say, I'm your church? I'm going to tell you about, well, I don't actually want to put my church in this category. I'd rather just tell you about people who believe in predispensational millennialism and the rapture, which is okay. what we're talking about. So, yeah, historically, Calvary Chapel has held this view, but I'd, I'd prefer to talk about it from kind of an objective stance. That's so, okay. Yeah, so here's, here's what it says in Revelation chapter 4. He says, after these things, I looked and behold, a door was standing open in heaven and I heard a voice speaking to me like a trumpet and it said, come up here and I will show you what must take place after this. Now, Revelation chapter one, starting in verse 19, some people, so let's say premillennial dispensationalists, so people who believe in the rapture, look at Revelation chapter one, verse 19 as being a outline for the book of Revelation. And here's what it says. Write, therefore, the things you have seen, so that's the past, the things which are, that's the present, and the things which are to take place after this. So after this in the Greek is the word metatauta, meaning after this, literally. So people take that as, okay, well, that is an outline for the entire book. So chapter 1 is the things which he has seen, which is the vision of Jesus Christ. Uh, the th chapters 2 and 3, the letters to the seven churches, they take those to be the things that are presently, okay? The church age, you could say, which we are in currently. And then he okay. says, then write the things which are to be after this. Again, meta tauta. And then what's interesting is that chapter 1 of verse 4, he says, begins with these words, after this, meta tauta. So following that outline, it would seem that this is giving a, a chronological sequence to the book of Revelation. And this would be then the third section begins now. In other words, the things which are to happen in the future. And here's what happens. He says, I heard a trumpet and someone saying, come up here. And then he was caught up into heaven. And then for several chapters, he is in heaven watching events unfold on the earth, including a great tribulation and the judgment of God of all of the, you know, oppressive regimes, and then Jesus returning. And so that that is a big reason why people believe in the rapture is because they say that what it's describing here in Revelation chapter four, starting in verse one, is John having a vision in which he is experiencing the rapture. And we see that during the rapture, what happens is all these people are caught up to heaven. And then on the earth, there's still people on earth and things are still happening. And um, we see that many people become Christians during that time on earth. Um, 
but it seems that the saints are caught up into heaven. So that, that's the logic behind it. That's the biblical reasoning behind it. But I'll give you one more really big reason why, the, why people believe in the rapture. <clears throat> and that is because it says that can, God... Can I stop will, you one second? Yeah, go ahead. So as knowing the Lutheran doctrine, the Lutherans really do not believe in the rapture, correct? Correct. Okay, uh, go ahead. Yeah, okay. So um, here's another reason why they uh why someone would believe in the rapture is because they would go off of this verse that says that God is not unjust to judge the righteous along with the wicked. And so then they look at the um they look at Revelation, we see this great judgment of all the wicked nations of the earth, and what they say is that well, this is following the same pattern that we see elsewhere in the Bible. For example, when God judged Sodom and Gomorrah, before he judged it, he removed Lot and his family righteous lot as he's called in genesis even though he was in all practice not a great righteous person but god said that he was a righteous person the only righteous person in town took him and his family out of the city before he judged it another example would be noah god judges the earth but he removes the righteous man out of that judgment he doesn't judge him along with the righteous as he, or I'm sorry, along with the wicked as he judges the wicked. So that's the logic behind it, saying that there's a pattern of this, precedent for this in the Bible, that God removes the righteous before he brings judgment upon the wicked. Okay, so based on this, because I'll tell you what, anybody listening to this, you just probably confuse the crap out of them. But based on this, um, what was I going to say? You almost basically have a second chance. I mean, so I believe right now, I'm, I'm totally confident I'm going to have it based on my faith. So when I go up in the rapture, but then my husband, who is a, doesn't even believe in God, he's an atheist, would he have a second opportunity then to change his thinking and get to heaven? Yes, someone who, somebody who believes in the rapture actually uh, takes, great, uh, takes great comfort in that concept. And they have great hope in it, because what they would say is that when the rapture does take place, it'll be a huge sign for everybody on the earth who is left behind uh, to say, whoa, what just happened? Then the thought is that then they would go and try to find out what happened, realize that it's something that the Bible predicted, and that this would be a great sign for them, and it would cause many people to repent. And and okay. people who believe that would line that up with what they read in Revelation, where it seems that, that after... John is caught up to heaven along with a great multitude, that there are these people who are still on earth, and many of them then become Christians. But during that time of the great tribulation, as it's called, where God's pouring out judgment on earth on the people who remained, who did not believe... Okay, I'm going to stop you one second. So the great tribulation, would that happen after John's vision, per se? Yes. No, it's happening in... Yes, correct. So that's what uh, this chronological view of... Revelation would say, John, starting in chapter 4, John is caught up, and then from heaven he watches the judgment of the earth, which is also known as the Great Tribulation. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Okay. Well. Well, yeah. and I know that it was like drinking from a fire hose there with a lot of information. Like you said, I, I hope I didn't confuse anybody. But No, I actually, I got it, but okay. I, I think it was pretty deep. I, I'm not very well versed in the Bible, so for me it was pretty deep. Okay, but, well, and I was trying to give it to you as concisely and quickly as possible. No, it was great. You, you, right. I got it. You answered my question, so I really appreciate cool. it. All right, well, God bless you. 
Okay, you too. Thanks so much. All right, bye-bye. Bye. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts live on the air. The number to call is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336-0897. Let's go to line two. We've got Kyle in Denver, Colorado. Hi, Kyle. Hey, Pat. Hey, what's up? I'm doing great. Good, man. Um, So I have a quick question. My wife and I were sitting at dinner the other day, and I asked my kids, you know, who we pray to. And... They all said God, and my wife said, yeah, but you can also pray to Jesus and to the Holy Spirit. And I thought about that, and, you know, it says that we come before the throne room, before God, but then also, like, we pray for the Holy Spirit's anointing. So do we pray, when we're praying that way, I mean, in my prayer, I would say, you know, Holy Spirit, please fill me, and not necessarily, Lord, please ask the Holy Spirit to fill me, or please have the Holy Spirit fill me. So in that sense, do we actually pray to the Holy Spirit as well as to God the Father? That's a good question. I'll tell you this. So if we go off of just what the Bible says, we have a biblical precedent for praying to the Father, and we have a biblical precedent for praying to Jesus. Okay, so like it says Stephen, for example, as he was being martyred, he prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Um, But we don't, Uh interestingly, have an example of somebody praying directly to the Holy Spirit. Now, does that mean that we shouldn't? I'm not going to say that means that we shouldn't. Uh, The Bible says that we pray in the Holy Spirit. Okay, so, and we, um, we, we ask the Spirit even to intercede for us as we pray, like in Romans chapter 8, verse 26. It says the Spirit helps us in our weakness and himself intercedes for us with groanings. Uh, deep, you know, too deep for words. Uh, Jude 20, he talks about praying in the Holy Spirit. But we don't have any example of uh, precedent for praying to the Holy Spirit. Now, again, that doesn't mean that we shouldn't. Uh, I think that we want to recognize the fact that God is triune. So Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, three persons, uh, separate, but all God. And um, and so I, I think that I think you're okay praying to the Holy Spirit. I'm just telling you that I don't see a biblical uh, precedent for it. So, Well, you, you made me kind of eat some crow, because I didn't think that we prayed to Jesus or the Holy Spirit. And then after I thought about it, I thought about the Holy Spirit. But um, So now I get to go tell my wife that she was right and I was wrong. So <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, yeah, and as far as I can tell, and I might be wrong, but as far as I can tell, that is the only example of praying, someone praying to Jesus. Okay. Uh, directly. But, you know, I think that we can. If if they are all God, then we can pray to, I think we can pray to each of them. I just think that, uh, you know, I, I I know in my prayer, I pray to, uh, I pray to God as a triune God. But we have the example sure. of Jesus often praying to the Father. Right, so. right. And like John 17 and his prayer for us is to the Father, too. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Okay. Well, thank you, sir. Yeah, my pleasure. God bless you. All right. God bless you, too. Bye. All right. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. Uh, you are uh, The number to call is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. And we have 
Uh, three open lines right now, all open lines, and we would love to hear from you. So you can call us, 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or text us at 720-336-0897. I am uh, preparing to teach this Sunday. I'm, I told you earlier I'm finishing up finishing up Hebrews in our church. We've been studying through Hebrews from beginning to end and uh, really excited about teaching it. Um, just some great stuff in here, and I'd love to share that with you. But the purpose of this show is calls, so let's go to line one. We've got Mary in New Jersey. Hi, Mary. Welcome to the show. Oh, oh thank you. How are you? I'm doing great. Good. Um, I was calling because um, I just was, I, I read, I'm reading a book called Demon Hit List, and it's, and it just talks about um, if you if you feel like you are um, demon possessed or if you feel like something has a stronghold on you, that um, the best way to do that is not only to pray but then to call out the demons by name. Um, and it gave a list of every different stronghold that a person has and um, and a name that represents them. And I wanted to get your I wanted to get your feedback on that. Yeah, I mean, here's what I'm going to tell you. I don't actually think that that's a good idea. <laughs> so okay. I'll, t I'll tell you why. Um, I'm looking up the verse right now. Yeah, here it is. So in Jude, so a tiny little book of Jude, which uh, is just right before Revelation. It's last epistle in the Bible. Um, here's what Jude says. I'm just going to read you a bigger section, then I'll point out the verse that I really want you to see. So he's, he talks about, and starting in verse 8, so Jude only has one chapter, so Jude 1, verse 8, he says, Yet in like manner these people also, relying on dreams, defile the flesh, reject authority, and blaspheme the glorious ones. And so verse 9, listen to this, But when the archangel Michael contended with the devil and was disputing about the body of Moses, we, we really don't know what that's referring to, but so try not to get too bogged down in that. But now listen to this part. He did not presume to pronounce a blasphemous judgment, but he said, The Lord rebuke you. But these people blaspheme all that they do not understand, and they are destroyed by that they, like unreasoning animals, understand instinctively. Okay, so what I see him just saying real briefly there is this. He's saying, look, there was an instance in which the Archangel Michael whether this was a, a legend or, you know, extra biblical story or something like that. There's this story, Archangel Michael is contending with the devil or with some kind of demon about something. And it says that he did not himself declare judgment on the devil or that demon, but he said, I rebuke you, or no, I'm sorry, he said, the Lord rebuke you. In other words, he, didn't, he wasn't so presumptuous as to even, and I mean, this is an archangel, right? And he's yeah. saying he wasn't so presumptuous as to, as to pronounce any kind of judgment himself on okay. this archangel, but he said, the Lord do it to you. I just think that that's really important. I think that, you know, you and me, we have no business speaking to demons. Okay. Whether, whether for good or for bad, we just... That's that's not for us. But I mean, even even when Michael did speak to this demon, he said, the Lord rebuke you. In other words, he he understood where the power was located. It wasn't located in him, but in the Lord. Even his own strength was in the Lord. And so I think that that's a pretty wise thing that he he did. And I think that's what Jude is instructing us to do is to, 
you know, not be presumptuous and, and p to put distance, real distance between ourselves and, and any kind of evil spirit. Okay, I that's a, I, see. I was I was in the shopping center and I picked up the book and and it actually did, it went to like Mark nine where Jesus had um, identified or had asked him what his name, um, and I and that's why I said you know what this is a perfect opportunity for me to speak to somebody else because um, I hear what you're saying and I appreciate that so I will not be finishing this book. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. We're calling hey, we're... out any demons by name. Alrighty, we're coming up on our break, so I'm going to have to let you go. But uh, And I would just say to that one point about Mark, I mean, I think that is the key, that it was Jesus himself speaking to that demon. So Thank you so much, and listen, have a blessed day. Thank you. Awesome. God bless you. You're listening to Calvary Live. We have come up on the halfway point in our show, so we are going to go to break, and we will be back in two minutes' time. In the meantime, you can call in. The number to call is 303-690-3000. and we'll be back with Calvary Live in just two minutes. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Welcome back to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, here with you today, taking your calls and texts live on the air. This is the show where you can call in. Uh, with questions that have come up in your Bible reading or things that are going on in your life. If you have a prayer request, we would love to pray for you. So you can call in or you can text us. The number to call is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336-0897. We've got two open lines right now. It's a good time to call. And... Um, while I've got you here, I want to take the opportunity to personally invite you to join us at Whitefields Community Church. If you are in the Longmont, Colorado area, we'd love to have you join us either this Sunday or next Sunday for Palm Sunday or the week after that for Easter Sunday. So we'd love to have you join us on Easter Sunday. We're going to have two um, services, 9 and 1030. And the day before Easter, we are doing a big uh, outreach. So we have around one to two, you know one and a half to two thousand people who come to this Easter outreach as far as we understand this is the biggest Easter outreach of its kind in Boulder County and we're really excited about it so we this is our seventh year doing it we do it in Roosevelt Park which is our big city park here in Longmont and our church is just adjacent to Roosevelt Park it's actually in Roosevelt Park so our church is just on the southeast corner of Roosevelt Park in the St. Vrain Memorial Building. So for us, that's our backyard. And so we take over Roosevelt Park and we do a giant Easter egg hunt and we do a puppet show that shares the gospel message. We do face painting and we pass out a lot of, um, you know, Bibles, gospel materials, and we just get to meet so many people from our community. And so if you are in the Longmont area or even in any of the surrounding communities out in Frederick, Firestone, Decono, Lafayette, Erie, even North Boulder, Lyons, Berthoud, all of those areas, Mead, we would love to have you come out and bring your kids and, uh, and join us for this Easter egg hunt and festival on March 31st from 10 to 1130 a.m. 
And then we hope that you'll join us as well on Sunday morning if you're in the area, and that is at 9 and 10.30. And you can find more information at whitefieldschurch.com. So that's whitefieldschurch.com. Let's go to our caller on line 2, Robert in Baltimore. Hi, Robert. Robert, are you there? Okay, well, hopefully we can get Robert connected in a little bit. But... um, in the meantime, let's go to, we had a text message come in that I wanted to address. So someone wrote in and said, uh, on your previous explanation, your discussion of the rapture, the caller asked if you were given, if there being a rapture meant that people were given a second chance. And I said, yes, during the tribulation. Uh, but this person texted and said, um, could you give some clarification because it sounds like the texter understood what I was saying. Just wanted to make sure that all of our callers did as well. So I appreciate the text. And so here's what I meant by that, the second chance thing. The caller uh, who called earlier, I can't remember her name, but she was saying that, uh, for example, she's a Christian, but her husband is not. So she asked, would she be caught up in the rapture and then her husband would be left on earth? Would he have a a chance then to still hear the gospel and repent? And my answer to that was absolutely yes. Uh, Yeah, her name was Sherry in Platteville. And so then um, what this, what what needs some clarification though is this, the the fact of there being a rapture doesn't guarantee a second chance for everybody, right? So if you die without coming to Christ, if you die, you know, without uh, receiving the grace of Jesus, putting your faith in Jesus and what he did for you on the cross, then there is no second chance. So, uh, you know, Hebrews says that it is appointed for man to die once, and after that comes judgment. So there is no second chance. We don't believe in purgatory. The Bible makes it quite clear that we get uh, one shot at this. We get one life in which we have usually multiple opportunities to receive the grace of the Lord. If we if we persist in rejecting it or persist in refusing to accept it, then there is no second chance for us. But in the sense of, uh, you know, if believers are caught up in a rapture and then other people remain here, will those people have a chance to repent even after the rapture has taken place? In other words, the people who stay behind here on earth, the answer is yes. So I hope that brings clarification to that question. Let's go. Uh, we have no callers right now. So if anyone would like to call in, the number is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336-0897. Um, I would like to address one question. We had a caller who was holding through the break and apparently had to go. But I see what his question was here from the producer. I've got a note. So Robert from Baltimore, if you're listening, uh, here's what I had been sent, that you just lost your wife. And I'm very sorry about that, Robert. I was really sorry for your loss. Um, Also, so he said that he always debated with his wife if they would know each other in heaven. Will they know each other in heaven? And my answer to you, Robert, and to anyone else who is listening who has lost a loved one and has wondered whether or not they would know them in heaven, uh, the answer is yes, I believe that you will know each other in heaven and I can give you a couple couple reasons why I believe that and I why I believe that the Bible teaches that but uh, you know this great Eric Clapton song you know will you know my name if I saw you in heaven I believe the answer is yes absolutely 
uh, we will know each other's names, and I believe that we will recognize each other. And a few reasons I'll give you for that. When Jesus resurrected from the dead, so the Bible says that he is the first fruits, meaning the first one, first example. You know, it's using a farming metaphor, and the first fruits are the, the first product that comes up from the ground. And so when Jesus was resurrected, he was the first fruits of those who are resurrected from the dead. And, and he had a body. And you remember that on the road to Emmaus. So the road to Emmaus is that road on which the, Jesus met with his disciples, but they didn't recognize him at first. And they walked with him and talked to him. And then all of a sudden they recognized who they were talking to. And then it says that Jesus appeared to his disciples. And you remember one of them said, I won't believe unless I can put my hands in his wounds. And Jesus said, well, here you go. Here are my wounds. Put your hands in them. In other words, they recognized Jesus, but, but at first they didn't recognize Jesus. See, what this tells us is that Jesus then is the first example of somebody that we see with a resurrected body, that heavenly body which we will receive, which will be without infirmity. It will be perfect. This is what 1 Corinthians chapter 15 talks all about. Um, so on the one hand, Jesus wasn't completely uh, the same as he had been before. They didn't immediately recognize him. Also, probably they weren't looking for him because they figured that he was dead. And the last time they saw him, he was uh, you know, quite scarred up and bloody and, and he had been beaten and crucified. So they didn't recognize him immediately. Um, but then when they, when they realized it was him, they did recognize him. And so for me, what this tells me is that these resurrection bodies that we will receive, they will resemble the bodies we have now, but they will be better. They will be perfect. They will be without flaw and blemish. So people who are handicapped, for example, here on earth, people who, um, let's say, they die uh, in a very old age. I don't believe that we will uh, see that person just as they were on the last day of their life. I believe that the infirmities will be gone. And I don't know what age everyone will be. I mean, that's something people speculate about. I'm not sure. I, I know that, you know, it, you can think of it in terms of a caterpillar and a butterfly. So a butterfly really doesn't look like a caterpillar. And yet, in some ways, it kind of does. So um, that's that's kind of a picture of what the resurrection body will be like. But here's the one thing that First Corinthians says. It says that, uh, I'm sorry, Jesus said this. He said that in heaven, we will not be given in marriage like we are here on earth. But that doesn't mean that we won't recognize each other. And uh, I, so that's where I land with that. I believe that we absolutely will recognize each other, and I believe that uh, that we will be together. But marriage itself won't continue in the same way um, as it does now. One of the reasons for that is probably because marriage, the Bible tells us, is a picture of Christ and the church. It's a it's a way that uh, models Christ's love for the church. And in heaven, we will have perfection. We will be unified with. God and brought together with him. And so therefore we won't need a picture of it. We'll have the real thing. Now we see as in a mirror dimly, the Bible says, but then we will see face to face. So I hope that answers your question and I hope it brings some comfort to you, Robert. And um, anyway, our hearts go out to you for your loss of your wife. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts on the air today. The number to call is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336-0897. Let's go to Kia in Denver, Colorado. Hi, Kia. Welcome to the program. 
Hi, thank you. Um, so I was just listening to what you were saying about like how it'll be when we get to heaven, yeah. um, and uh, how it, we won't be like given to each other in marriage or anything like that. So I guess I'm just wondering, like, um, I heard someone say that we're pretty much just going to be like worshiping God in heaven. So I'm just wondering, like, what do what do you think it's going to be like as far as like you know we won't really be like looking for spouses or anything like that and like the people that we know like our family members will they be just like friends or like what do you think you know like our relationships are going to be like and stuff in heaven i just always wondered that yeah no that's a great question so i think the thing that's hard for us to understand that is that you know like for example the bible says that that heaven is something which no eye has seen, no ear has heard, and it's mm -hmm. something which is so different than what we're used to that it's really hard to comprehend. Mm -hmm. um, in the past, I'll tell you, here's how I used to think about heaven. I went through a couple different stages. I went through one stage of thinking that, you know, heaven would be this kind of, well, kind of like what you hear, you know, sometimes you'll be at church and the worship leader mm -hmm. will say, hey, this is just, a great picture. This is what we're going to be doing for all eternity. And mm -hmm. I always am like, man, I mean, I don't know about everybody else here, but I really like church, but I also like the fact that it doesn't last for eternity. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like, I really yeah. like worshiping, but I don't know. Like, I mean, I can only handle so much and maybe that's my mm -hmm. flawed, uh, flawed being, but I'm just being honest, you know, like, mm -hmm. man, I could do this for a while, but, um, you know, <laughs> I might want to do some yeah. other things too. And so I went through that stage, you know, of, of thinking, okay, well, heaven's just going to be like this great worship service where forever be, and, and mm -hmm. I got to tell you this, that, and I, I can already predict what somebody would say to that, that I just am not, um, I'm not acknowledging the fact that when we are in the presence of God, the only thing we will want to do is fall down before him and worship all day long, like we see in Revelation, right? Like we see the elders mm -hmm. gathered around the throne, just casting their crowns and, and bowing down over and over and repeatedly saying, you know, holy, holy, holy. So mm -hmm. maybe that is how it is. But I got to tell you, I think it's more than that. So then I went through this mm -hmm. next stage where I thought that heaven was going to be maybe like so different than earth that it would not be like tangible in the sense that it would be like this ethereal place, maybe characterized mm -hmm. by color and light mm -hmm. and things like that. And now mm -hmm. I think I've, I've kind of come to a final stage where I believe that heaven, and, it, and I really believe this because of what the Bible teaches. And mm -hmm. if you take the whole teaching of the Bible from Old Testament on into New Testament through the book of Revelation, I think what you find is that heaven is a, is a much more tangible place than, mm -hmm. um, than I previously thought. And I think that, so for example, I think there will be work in heaven. I think there will be relationships mm -hmm. in heaven. I think that heaven will actually be a lot like, now I, I don't want this to be taken wrong. I think it will be a lot more like earth than, than what a lot of people think heaven will be like. In the yeah, sense that I don't exactly. think that we're going to be just floating around on clouds playing harps. In fact, mm -hmm. C.S. Lewis yeah. had an amazing quote about that in mere Christianity. I'm going to try and look it up while we're talking. But he had this amazing quote about that where he said that no wonder people don't believe in Christianity because we, we've just given them this silly view of heaven, which is not even biblical. So yeah. I'm, going to, I'm going to look it up um, real quick. Go ahead. Okay. And then um, I read this book a while ago, I think it's um, The Five People You Meet in Heaven. Okay. And it was really interesting. Have you read it? No, I haven't. So it's just basically, like, tells the story of this guy um, 
who ended up passing away, but basically, like, when he got to heaven, he met these five different people throughout his life, and it just kind of goes into the whole concept of, like, everyone you meet has some sort of a connection, like, we cross paths. It's not really, like, a biblically-based, like, there's no scripture in it, but it just kind of um, caught my attention as far as, like, the title and stuff, so that's why I read it, but he met, like, these just five different people that he impacted, like, on earth. And um, he, like, learned or saw, like, God was explaining to him the story of, like, behind why he, why these five people were extremely significant to him. Um, and then he kind of talked about just, like, what it was like um, in heaven and stuff, stuff. I don't know. I was just wondering, um, you know, just kind of how that would, if, if you read it. But um, I would see, I don't know if you want to look into it or anything, but... Um, yeah, I don't know. I just think that was really, it was uh, really interesting. Yeah. I'll tell you what book I really, really recommend. And I didn't expect that I would like this book that much. But, I mean, I listened to it and I'm like, yes, this is a great book. And it was by Randy Alcorn. Mm-hmm. And it's called Heaven. And I kind of I kind of prepared myself for it to be really maybe a little cheesy. And maybe I was going to disagree with it a lot. And I didn't mm-hmm. at all. I was like, man, this guy did this great study. I mean, it was really a systematic study of the entire Bible. What does the Mm -hmm. Bible say about heaven? And then he put it together. And I got to tell you, Mm -hmm. it's the best book I've read on heaven. And I wholeheartedly recommend it to all of our listeners. Mm -hmm. In fact, the reason why I picked it up was because I was doing the show and somebody asked me about heaven. And I said, well, I've heard of this book, but I haven't read it. So I went out and read it. And I got to tell you, it was better than I expected. Hmm. Okay, cool. I'll look into it. Yeah. So, yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you. Oh, and then just lastly, um, I just wanted to pray, just pray really quick. Um, so God has put, like, a ministry on my heart that, and a vision for a ministry that I've had for a while, and I just, um, I'm at a stage right now where I'm just, like, you know, just praying that this is what He's really called me to, and just, like, the people that He would like to be a part of the ministry would um, just, you know, he would place them in my life and stuff. So things are coming through, um, but I just want to really just pray that, you know, I'm not doing this in my own strength and that it is um, solely in his hand. Yeah. Well, let me pray for you and then I'll let you go. Heavenly Father, I pray for Kia and just everyone listening. We all pray together for her, Lord, and then we ask for your guidance and direction on her life. What a noble request and what a noble desire to want to follow you and do your will in the world and in her life. So, Lord, I pray that you would bless that desire, bless that request. And, and Lord, would you show her, would you make it clear to her, would you guide her steps, even just if it's one, one step at a time, Lord, show her what's the next step for her to take in following you and doing your will. So, Lord, I pray for this ministry that's on her heart. I pray that she would place that in your in your hands and hold it with an open hand herself. And, Lord, say that, and Lord, I pray that you would guide her and direct her in that for your glory and according to your will. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor. My pleasure. God bless you. All right. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. We have one open line. The number to call is 303-690-3000. It's 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336-0897. Let's go to line two where we've got Sean in Denver, Colorado. Hi, Sean. Hello. How are Um, you doing? This kind of goes along with the previous caller. Um, it got me thinking that um, my mother-in-law got a book given to her by John Eldridge called All Things New. Yep. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that one. 
I'm not. I'm familiar with John Eldridge. I'm not familiar with that book in particular. Okay, so it's it's very recent, late last year. Um, it's uh, it's he describes heaven as I'm not. I'm not really sure. You know, we're gonna. It's not necessarily heaven. It's a new earth, kind of what he's describing. And we're gonna we're gonna have farming, and we're gonna have new animals, and we're gonna have. Um, new relationships, and I'm not really sure where I want to come down on this. I'm just, I'm not sure what to think of John Eldridge either. Yeah. So, I mean, I uh, I don't really want to come down hard on, on any particular author. I think that, right. you know, Christian maturity means that we should be able to read things and spit out the seeds, and that's what I would encourage mm-hmm. anyone to do when it comes to John Eldridge or any other author is read it. Um, try to be discerning as you read it. Use a biblical, you know, what you know about the Bible and use wisdom. Ask the Holy Spirit to guide you and give you direction and then spit out the seeds. Uh, again, I don't really want to speak to John Eldridge in particular. I do believe that there are probably better authors out there for people to be reading. Um, I know some of John Eldridge's views on church, for example, that I do not agree with. Um, mm-hmm. But... I, I will say this: what you described to me right then sounds sounds quite good, really, and it sounds quite in line with uh, the other book I was mentioning by Randy Alcorn. The reason I prefer Randy Alcorn's book over any other book I've ever read on heaven is because he he's so focused on just looking at what does the Bible say and doing a systematic view, taking all the verses in the Bible that talk about heaven and putting them together, and then what does that say and what does it mean. And he's he's a good, solid biblical writer and theologian, and I just and he's easy to read. So I personally, I would say, uh, I can wholeheartedly recommend his book. Again, I haven't read John Eldridge's book, but uh, what you described okay. to me sounds very good. Okay. And I do agree with that concept that there will be a new heavens and a new earth. It will be different. So I don't think that it will be just basically this earth without the sin. Although I do think that's an aspect of it. Because here's the other thing I meant to tell our previous caller. Is that what we have in the Bible is this. You could look at if you if you zoom way out from the Bible. Right? And so what is the big story that's being told in all of the little stories? And the answer is... Um, the answer is there are there's really an outline that the Bible follows that has four points. Creation. Fall into sin. So good creation. Fall into sin. Then redemption, that's what Jesus does for us. And then we have restoration in which we see, see what you see at the end of the book of Revelation isn't just a good and glorious city. It's actually Eden from the beginning of the Bible. It's Eden restored. That's why it says that in that place, so God is dwelling with man. That was the case in Eden. And then it says that there's a, a river that flows through it, like in Eden. And it says that there is a tree, the tree of life. The last time we saw the tree of life was back in the Garden of Eden where we got cut off from the tree of life. But in Christ, we are now reunited with the tree of life. And um, and yeah, so what we see is not just uh, the fulfillment, or sorry, the restoration of Eden, but the fulfillment of what Eden would have become. So we start out in a garden, but the new, the restored Eden is more than a garden. It's a city. The new Jerusalem is a city. Okay. And uh, and so anyway, all that to say, it uses very uh, tangible terms. You know, city, streets. There there will be, I believe, work 
that will be done there. I don't know if it will be, you know, exactly like the work that we do here on Earth. I'm not sure, but I do believe that work. And right. so here's what's here's what's interesting about work is that unlike, for example, Greco-Roman thought that said that work is a curse. Uh, the Bible mm -hmm. says work is not a curse. Work existed in the Garden of Eden before the fall of man. So work is not a curse. Work is a blessing. Work is part of what God created us to do. And God himself works. The first view we get of God is a God who works and a God who also gets his hands dirty, so to say. He's got his hands in the dirt, forming man out of the dirt. Okay. Well, cool. Yeah, so... All right. Again, I don't know what to say about John Eldridge and his book. I haven't read it, but I do wholeheartedly recommend Randy Alcorn. Okay, I'll, I'll check that book out. Sounds that good. That sounds like something I can do. And... All right, thank you. Awesome. God bless you. Take care. This is Calvary Live. You're listening to the show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible or your um, prayer requests. We'd love to hear from you. The number to call is 303-690-3000. That's 303 Six nine zero three thousand, or you can text us at seven two zero three three six zero eight nine seven. Let's go to Samuel in Westminster, Colorado. Hi, Samuel. Well, good evening, Pastor Nick. Good evening. Um, I just, I just was curious. Uh, you had a caller earlier that was speaking about, um, you know, you brought up uh, the the thing in Jude, and yeah. you made the comment that you know we should like avoid the evil spirits and demons. Mm. But yet we have the authority through Jesus over them. They have no power over us. Right. Okay. But the thing is, though, is that I've heard that said before, that we, you know, that we don't have any authority over them, and we are not to shirk away from them and in the name of Jesus, we can cast them out. Well, let me maybe clarify something. I don't believe that we should fear them. I think that you are right, that uh, we have authority in Jesus over demonic powers or entities. What I am saying is that based off of that verse in Jude, that we don't have any business pronouncing judgment ourselves over them. So in other words, what it's saying in Jude is that Michael the archangel himself did not say, I rebuke you, but he said, the Lord rebuke you. And so in other words, he was just, uh, he understood his place. He wasn't being presumptuous. He understood that it is only by the Lord's power, not by his power, that a demon can be rebuked. Right. Thank you. Because, and, and exactly, well, that's my point exactly, is that we don't, we do not have power over the demonic realm without Christ being in us. Yeah, that's okay. right. That's right. Okay, I just want to make sure that we're on the same page, because the way that you left it, and I've heard other pastors leave it that way, too, and they use that first, but what they don't say, though, is that Michael the Archangel, yeah, he's a very, very powerful being, so to speak, but yet we have something he doesn't. Hmm. We have the power of Jesus Christ inside of us. We have the power of the Holy Spirit inside of us. True. And in uh, Acts, I mean, I have to admit, this is one of my all-time favorite stories, is uh, in Acts when those guys tried to cast out the demons, and the demons beat them up and throw them out in the streets naked, and it told everyone, whoa, wait a minute, this is not a game. Right. And I, I think that is also something we have to realize, too, that spiritual warfare is true, it is real, 
it's not a game. But, um, yeah, I just, I just want clarification on that because too many people really have misconceptions one way or the other. Mm-hmm. And they don't, I don't think they understand that the power that we have, we don't have that power ourselves, but we have that power through Jesus, you know, through, through Jesus. Yes. So yeah. that, because, okay, I, I guess that's enough said. I mean, I just, okay. I, I yeah. just heard that and I went, wow, wait a minute, that goes, you know, that's Sure, not, yeah. No, I appreciate you calling in for the clarification. That's really good. I'm going to have to let you go because we're coming up on the end of the show, but thank you for no. calling in. Oh, no, I understand. God bless you and God bless Grace FM. I love this channel. I love, awesome. I love the teachings. God bless. Have a awesome. wonderful evening. God bless you. You're listening to Calvary Live. We are coming up on the very end of the show, so I'm going to answer some of these questions that have come in over the text line just in this last one and a half minutes we have. Uh, it'll be very brief. So I had one person call or text in saying, uh, where do you draw the line with church authority? Hebrews 13 says, be subject to your leaders, but there are many teachers that churches that teach things such as women must wear skirts down to their ankles. Women should not wear makeup. Yeah, th- this get really into cultural issues, which people make into, um, you know, rules or, 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 you know, laws or even just their own church culture. I would say that we do have the freedom to choose which church authority we put ourselves under. In other words, if, if you're putting yourself under a church authority that you find to be, you know, overreaching their bounds, I would encourage you to to be putting yourself under a church authority that you can agree with. But once you agree with it, I would encourage you to indeed put yourself under a church authority, a shepherd. And finally, I would like to pray for this last prayer request as we come up here. And that is a prayer for those who suffer from mental illness, including the texture. So, Heavenly Father, we pray for those who are suffering from mental illness, those listening and those around our state. Lord, would you bless them? Would you bring clarity to their minds? In Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to Calvary Live. My name is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. Calvary Live is every weekday, 4 to 5 p.m. Tune in. I'll be with you on Monday. God bless you. You've been listening to Calvary Live. Tune in next time for prayer and God's word.